So the last time that uh, Christmas uh, fell on a Sunday, there were about 50 people here. Maybe, right? So it's typical of West End, we're unprepared for such a crowd, which makes this even more interesting because you never know what's going to happen, right? So um, awesome. Hey, um, we've been looking at the book of Ruth this Advent, but this morning I want to take a, a, a different uh, text and just speak real quickly uh, to what the Apostle Paul says to us in Philippians, the epistle to the church at Philippi, chapter 3, verse 1, that text is printed in the bulletin. Let me read it to you. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So um, I don't know what you think about uh, uh Christmas traditions. I don't know if you have Christmas traditions. One of the things that dawned on me this morning is in the last uh, 24 hours, I've sung these songs uh, three times. There's a phrase in baseball called hitting the cycle where you hit all the way through. Everybody gets a hit. Well, I've done it. I've been to all three of our services. All right. So you want to know what happened, Adam? Ask me. I can tell you I was at all of them. So um, and even even uh, uh, this morning doing that. So it may be that you think you know what, uh, I've celebrated Christmas my whole life, I've sung these songs my whole life, and frankly, you know, we do the same thing year after year after year. And uh, honestly, uh, it gets old, or it gets boring, or it gets the same, the same over and over again. Well, one of the things that we have to see, and one of the things that's important for us this morning is, is that the traditions that we experience and the things that we do repetitively are are there for a purpose because they remind us of things that are bigger, uh, more important uh, than what we just typically deal with in life. When our kids were little, we were convinced that one of the things that we wanted to do was uh, make food a big deal, special meals, special foods, because uh, believe it or not, one of the biggest ways to create memories is through smell and taste. Do you know that? That's a That's a brain fact. So we wanted our kids to smell good stuff cooking in the house. We wanted them to come and eat and enjoy special foods. And for several years, what we did was we made the tradition of we were going to have the same Christmas dinner that the Cratchit family had in um, uh, in a Christmas carol. You're laughing. This is serious business. Okay? So you got to work hard to find a goose. That's what they had, right? You know? Everybody in America, they like turkey and chicken, but who likes a goose? Well, I do. I like waterfowl a lot. <laughs> and so um, so we would cook a goose and we would stuff it and uh, we would eat what they ate. And one year we decided, you know what, we're going to have a plum pudding. They're kind of hard to come by too. So we got this plum pudding. Now, in America, pudding sounds like jello, right? That 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 chocolate gravy stuff that you get. But... British plum pudding is like a super heavy, I mean, made with fat and lard, fruitcake. I mean, this was clearly uh, a, a meal for people who didn't have a lot of money and needed to pack a lot of calories in a small little thing, right? So there's tons of calories in it. Well, in the in a Christmas carol, uh, Mrs. Cratchit pulls it out. Uh, she sticks a sprig of holly in it, and you light it on fire. 
You light the, the thing on fire. It has a little bit of brandy or something like that on it. So, of course, we don't have brandy at our house, but what we did have that year was was some bourbon, which I put in a shot glass, warmed it up in the, uh, in the um, microwave, poured it on the plum pudding, stuck the holly sprig in it, set it on fire, and put it on the table. And we're all looking at it, and suddenly it set the holly on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we made a memory <laughs> that, yeah, uh, I still was thinking about that this morning, thinking, wonder what I can burn at the, at the uh, table uh, tonight. So one, one of the things that we have to see here and one of the things that uh, we experience when we, when we come at Christmas is that it is a repetitive thing. We've heard this story before. Uh, we know it. Uh, and it's very familiar to us, right? So but we read in this text this morning that what the apostle says to us is something that he repeats. In fact, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things, to say it over again, uh, is no trouble to me. And actually, it's safe for you, safe for you. So the safest place for us to be in the apostle's opinion this morning is to be in a place where we rejoice. Now, I, admittedly, in a crowd this, this large, uh, there are people here who are rejoicing. There are people here this morning who are joyful. There are people here this morning who are joyful for great reasons, and there are people here this morning that are, that are joyful actually for kind of small reasons. But what Paul wants us to see, and what he is encouraging us to do today, is to rejoice, to actually have joy in the midst of a world where that joy actually makes us safe, right? You do, if, if there's no threat in the world, if there's no difficulty in the world, if there's no darkness in the world, you don't need safety. But the fact of the matter is, what we recognize about Christmas and what we recognize about the Lord's coming is that he must come because unless he comes, unless he does this work for us, we're hopeless. We cannot save ourselves. And so this morning when we read that text and we're commanded here to rejoice, you may be thinking, you know, I can't rejoice. I'm just bored. Maybe you can't rejoice this morning because really you're anxious or afraid. You might be tired or stressed. You might just be sad and have good reasons to be sad. Or you could be spiritually uh, sleepy, actually. So what we see here is uh, that this command comes to us, and it's one, if you know anything about the Bible at all, that the New Testament speaks to us of joy almost on every page, and the command to rejoice is runs through the whole of the New Testament. In fact, uh, many uh, uh, commentators think that this command to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord always, uh, is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament word, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That in a sense that what we are commanded to do in light of the gospel, in light of the great news of Jesus Christ, is to have a sense, a deep and abiding sense, that our God is for us and that that thought, that reality, that objective truth uh, is the source of our joy. So Paul feels no embarrassment to say, look, I'm going to repeat this. I'm going to say it over and over again. It's no bother to me. In fact, it's a good thing for me to keep saying to you, and it's safety to you. 
Now, how can a command to rejoice make you safe? How could that make you safe? Have you thought about that? Um, The thing about it is, and this is the great thing about Christmas, and the great thing that we celebrate is that God does something for us in the birth of Christ that we cannot do for ourselves. Think about that. Think about the last time you were in a situation where you were absolutely, it was absolutely impossible for you to to fix your situation. It was absolutely impossible for you to do anything at all. You were absolutely paralyzed and helpless to address whatever problem was in your life. And someone comes along and takes care of that for you. Someone comes along and does for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because you see, that's the, 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 the bottom line uh, in the commandment to us to rejoice. That's the bottom line in the song that the angels sing. That's the bottom line that we see as the shepherds go away, praising God and telling people what it was that they had seen and heard. Because the thing is, the commandment to rejoice is not rooted this morning and this is a joyful, this is a happy, well, I'll say it's a happy congregation. This is a happy congregation. The commandment to rejoice is not rooted in our happiness. The commandment to rejoice is not rooted in our anticipation of a gathering like this. And in fact, and as hard as this may be for some of us to hear, the commandment to rejoice is not even rooted in the fact that we gather with friends and family, as good and a terrific a blessing as that is, the commandment to rejoice is actually rooted in something quite outside ourselves. It is rooted in a God who sees and a God who hears and a God who loves, but not only that, but a God who comes near by taking on our flesh. You see, if you're thinking this today, there's, you know, what, what, what can I find to rejoice in? What can I find uh, to take some joy in? Well, the Bible says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The world is a dark place. The human heart is a dark place. But the light from God outside of ourselves comes into that. And as dark as our hearts may be, and as dark as the world may be, as dark as my flesh may be, as dark as the devil may be, it will not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, dispelling the darkness. And that is objectively true. And so when God comes to us in the form of Jesus Christ, he does, not only does he do something that we cannot do for ourselves, but he does it outside of ourselves so that all we can do is receive that. All we can do is see it, believe it, and take him at his word. You see, this this is the work of God for us. So let me just read you this these last couple of sentences because I think they're 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 good and I want you to hear this as the last thing I say to you this morning. 
So be of good cheer, you who have dwelt in darkness. Rejoice and be glad, you who have sins and shame. For the mighty God comes to you as a child. He does not threaten, but takes you upon his shoulders. He carries you home by means of the same cross he shoulders. Today, he shares in your birth so that we may share in his death. The light shines in all your dark places. So as we've already done here this morning, confess your sins and hide in the darkness no more. The light shines and our gloom is put to flight. To you, to me, to us is born this day a Savior who's Christ the Lord. He's your light. He's your life. And death and darkness have no power over him. And so what we have done today and what I hope you continue to go to over and over uh, today is to come and adore him, to come and receive him and receive what it is that he has done for you. Because God became man in Bethlehem and gives himself to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this truth. We thank you today for the source of joy that is fixed eternally in your character and in your action on our behalf. We thank you this morning for Jesus Christ who loves us, who came and did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Lord, I pray today for uh, the cold-hearted and the hard-hearted. I pray today for the sad and the broken. I pray today for those who are ashamed, those who are fearful and anxious. I pray today for those who are lonely, even in the midst of a room full of people. And I pray today for the distracted. I pray that just as you acted outside of us to do this great thing, you would do that in our hearts and our lives. That you would act upon us by your spirit and that you would remind us of what we've heard and what we've seen. That Jesus Christ, our Savior, has been born to us. That he will save his people from their sins. And that he will gather us to himself in glory. Lord, help us today to take joy in that, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So as Kevin mentioned earlier in the service, there's a tear-off in the bulletin. If you want more information or you want us to pray for you this week, fill that out. Uh, The guys are getting ready to come up and uh, take up the offering. If you're visiting with us today, please don't feel any pressure to give. But if you can give in response to the gift of God to you in Jesus Christ, give generously.